For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Leviticus 4. Leviticus chapter 4. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 97. It's a longer passage of scripture to read. I'll read only the fourth chapter. I was going to go into chapter 5 verse to verse 13. But we'll only be reading chapter 4 this evening. evening we look at the sin offering. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before the Lord. And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting, and all the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of the burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all the fat of the bull of the sin offering he shall remove from it, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys, just as these are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering. But the skin of the bull and all its flesh, with its head, its legs, its entrails, and its dung, all the rest of the bull, he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place, to the ash heap, and shall burn it up on a fire of wood. On the ash heap it shall be burned up. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they do any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and they realize their guilt, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering and bring it in front of the tent of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall bring some of the blood of the bull into the tent of meeting, and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar that is in the tent of meeting before the Lord. And the rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all its fat he shall take from it and burn on the altar. Thus shall he do with the bull, as he did with the bull of the sin offering. So shall he do with this. And the priest shall make atonement for them, and they shall be forgiven. And he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it up as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. When a leader sins, doing unintentionally any one of all the things that by the commandments of the Lord his God ought 
not to be done and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring as his offering a goat, a male without blemish, and shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering. And all its fat he shall burn on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. So the priest shall make atonement for him, for his sin, and he shall be forgiven. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and realizes his guilt, or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove as the fat is removed from the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be forgiven. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish and lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on the top of the Lord's food offerings. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. Thus far the reading of God's word may it his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Well, we thought that um, the peace offering and the burnt offering was a bloody affair. Well, we have an even bloodier affair here in the sin offering. A sin offering, an offering for the sin of the people, both as a community, many, and for individuals. The purpose of the sin offering, the purpose of the sin offering was to purify the people of God from unintentional sins. And we see this in several places as each particular group or persons was to offer a sacrifice for unintentional sins. Verse 21, verse 24, verse 26, verse 31, verse 33. All of these verses here speak to the purpose of the sin offering, which was to purify the people of God from unintentional sin. A sin offering for sins of error or sins done by mistake. You ever hear somebody say, perhaps your child would say, forgive me, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. 
sins by mistake, sins due to ignorance, lack of knowledge, or sins as a result of carelessness. Sins made by mistake or sins due to carelessness, a lack of knowledge. Some interpreters also call it the sin of omission. And in chapter 5, verse 1, if you turn in your Bible there, we have here, if anyone sins in that he hears a public adjuration, that is, he, he witnesses a public oath, and he has to testify, and though he is a witness, whether he has seen or come to know the matter, yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity, sin of omission. Unintentional sins. In fact, in your footnote, you may have there, makes a mistake. Sins made by mistake. There are three important characteristics about unintentional sins. Three important characteristics that we need to know about. First, it's ignorance of God's law. Ignorance of God's law. We see this in verse 13. If the whole congregation of Israel sins intentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assemblies and they do any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and they realize their guilt when the sin which they have committed becomes known, the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering and bring it in front of the tent of meeting. Verse 23, similarly, or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring a sin offering. They are ignorant of their sin. They are ignorant of God's law in their actions. They sin in error, either carelessly or due to lack of knowledge. But secondly, it's not deliberately chosen as hostile acts towards God. That's why it's an unintentional sin. It's not a direct hostile act towards God. Sometimes when a child does something he's not supposed to do, is it in reality a, an affront or a hostile act towards the parents? Not often. Not often. So it's ignorance of God's will. It's not deliberately chosen as a hostile act against God. Yet nevertheless, the person is still guilty of the sin. We see in each section that when the person comes to have a knowledge of his sin, he acknowledges his what? His guilt. He acknowledges his guilt. Just by way of example or illustration, all analogies fall short, so bear with me, but when you think about a fighter pilot, fighter pilots need to train their instincts. That's an important part of their training. How to train their instincts in a dogfight, in a fight against enemy fighter jets. And so much of their time in a training facility is how to train their instincts in, when, in having to make split-second decisions. Will they follow the book that they studied? Or they make a mistake. There's no margin for error 
If his instincts are off and he forgets his training and makes a mistake, it costs lives. Did he make a mistake? If he did something wrong, perhaps without knowledge of a certain piece of equipment in his jet or in his instruments? Did he make a mistake? Yes. Was it intentional? No. But will he be held responsible? Yes. Or consider any occupation or vocation where mistakes are made. It's possible that a person makes a mistake because he lacks knowledge about a certain piece of equipment that he's working on. He didn't get the memo about a certain device or piece of equipment. And as a result, something breaks or he makes a mistake. Or a person makes a mistake because he's under pressure. Or perhaps a person is moving too quickly and he's careless. None of these acts are malicious intent. They aren't intentional acts against an employer or anyone else. They're mistakes that are made. The person wasn't trying to intentionally sabotage a project. He makes a mistake. Congregation of Christ, unintentional sins are the result of living in a fallen world. This passage of Scripture regarding unintentional sins and the need for purification speaks to the depth and breadth of each and every one of our hearts and the sin that is in our hearts. We sin in thought, word, and in deed, and so often we sin without even knowing it. Lord, reveal to me my hidden sins, as the psalmist writes. Those things I don't even know about. Protect me from presumptuous sins, intentional sins. We are not perfect. We forget God's will and God's word in our lives. So often we act out of ignorance, what we don't know, and we're careless in our actions. So we are. So we are. And God is gracious enough to give this sin offering for a sacrifice of purification to his people, drawing their attention to the sin problem that they have and that we have. Unintentional sins, sins seem to be minor sins, but nevertheless offend God and incur, incur guilt upon the people. Just ask Uzzah, or the man who was picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. You think God's serious about sin? You think God's serious about His word, His law, what He requires? Again, in these sacrifices, we see that he is holy and we are not. He is holy and we are not. 
But God provides these sacrifices because of His grace, mercy, and love for His people. But these sacrifices, as we'll see in the conclusion near the end of this sermon, the fulfillment, the reality in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in verses 2, 13, 22, and 27, we have the priest, the whole community, the leader or prince of the people, and the member of the congregation who sins intentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any of them, they will incur guilt. They are responsible. Chapter 5, verse 17. Look with me in your Bible there. Chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone sins doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then realizes his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. And then we have the law for the offering there, what he is to do. Unintentional sins. The purpose of the sin offering is to purify his people from unintentional sins because God who is rich in mercy slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, is gracious enough to provide the way to purification. Purification for the community of faith, beginning with the priest. Let's look now at the participants of the sin offering. You have the priest in verses 3 to 12, the anointed priest. The anointed priest was known as the high priest. The anointed priest or high priest mediates between God and the people. He is the people's representative before the Lord. If he's beset with sin, then his sin brings guilt upon the people. And we saw that in, this, in the beginning of this chapter, verse 3, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He represents the people. If he sins, the people sin. The people incur judgment and guilt. And so the priest first and foremost must be purified before he is able to deal with the sins of the church of the congregation. Now, if you're privy to the letter of Hebrews, it's starting to click maybe for you what the author of Hebrews says. And I encourage you, this week perhaps, or in the weeks to come, read through Hebrews. Because you will see the author of Hebrews exposit this beautifully. As he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to exposit it. God requires that the anointed or high priest present a bull without blemish because it's the largest of all the sacrificial animals and he holds the highest office in the land, in the, among the people. And because he holds that high office, it requires a large animal, a male without blemish, a perfect bull. Now take note, take note what's different between this offering and the offerings that we saw the past few weeks, especially the burnt offering and the peace offerings. 
We saw that when the animal was sacrificed, the blood of the animal was thrown on the altar, the horns of the altar, around the altar, the base of the altar. But where does the priest take the blood of this animal? He takes it into the tent of meeting. He throws the blood. He dips his finger in the blood. Goes into the tent of meeting and sprinkles it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain, in front of the veil of the sanctuary. That veil that separates the holy place from the most holy place, where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the mercy seat is, where God's glory dwells. And then some of the blood is placed in the holy place where the altar of incense is, on the horns of the altar of incense. Now interpreters wonder what exactly is going on here. I mean, we certainly see the seriousness of unintentional sins and the impurity of sin by the very fact that they're taking into the tent of meeting the blood and sprinkling it in front of the veil of the sanctuary, not going into it. That only happens once a year on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. When the high priest goes in there on behalf of the people. You know, this is sprinkled before. Perhaps, perhaps that the it is possible that this anticipates the Day of Atonement when the high priest actually goes in to the Holy of Holies with blood. But nevertheless, blood is presented before the Lord because in the blood of the animal is life. And for your life, there needs to be the shedding of blood. For the forgiveness of sins, there needs to be the shedding of blood before the Lord for cleansing and purification. And then notice that the priests, you may have taken note that the priests, as after they come out of the tent of meeting, they offer burnt offerings they take the fat of the animal and the kidneys and the fat around the, lo the lobes of the liver and burn it on the burnt offering, just like the peace offering. But again, what is different, what is different than the peace offering and the burnt offerings is that the priest will take the rest of the animal weir outside the camp and burn it. Sin must be destroyed. And it is destroyed outside the camp in a clean place where the ash heap was. Sin is put to death and destroyed when it is sacrificed. Blood is presented to the Lord, brought before the Lord. The animal is, is the, the richness of the animal, the fat, the kidneys, which are the affections, the seat of the affections are brought before the Lord in a burnt offering, but the rest of the animals burn outside the camp. This is what the priest, the anointed high priest, had to do before he dealt with the sins of the people. And then we go to the whole congregation, the whole congregation of Israel who sins unintentionally and is hidden from their eyes 
And they do any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done. And they realize their guilt. The whole congregation brings a young bull without blemish to be sacrificed. And notice, notice who represents the whole congregation. It's the elders. The elders lay their hands on the animal, on the substitute. Verse 15, the elders lay their hands on the head of the bull, identifying with the animal of sacrifice, identifying with their substitute, and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. And the same thing, the, the priest dips his finger in the blood and brings it into the tent of meeting and sprinkles it before the veil of the, of the Holy of Holies. Again, the seriousness of unintentional sins is magnified here before our very eyes. The sin of the priests and the sins of the whole congregation, the community of faith, must be purified by blood. The offering is similar to the offering of the high priest. And so the unintentional sin of the priest, the high priest, the anointed priest, and the whole congregation required entrance into the tent of meeting with blood because sin affected, infected the whole community without their knowing it. Until they came to the knowledge of it, recognized their guilt, and brought the animal for sacrifice. Again, it's possible that this anticipates the Day of Atonement when the priest, the high priest, enters the Holy of Holies. And then we have two other groups. We have the prince of the people, the leader of the people, and the member of the congregation. Now we have individuals with unintentional sins. They bring a male goat, the leader of the people, has to bring a sin offering. And he brings a goat, a male without blemish. And it is sacrificed with the sprinkling of blood on the horns of the altar and at the base of the altar. But this is outside the tent of meeting. And the same holds true with the member of the congregation who brings a female goat without blemish or a female lamb without blemish. The law is the same as the leader's sacrifice for sin and purification. These participants offer sin offerings to be purified of unintentional sins, sins made by mistakes, sins of error, sins of carelessness, The beauty of this passage is the grace of God. I think sometimes when we read and try to interpret what's going on in a passage like this, like, where do I even go with this? What, what's, what's going on? How does a Christian read this? 
Oh, friend, don't miss the grace of God in this. Don't miss the grace of God. Because let's look at the results of purification. What's the result of the purification? The unintentional sins of the leader, the prince of the people, and the member of the congregation are very similar, very similar to the peace offering. The sins of the high priest and the whole congregation is very different, or somewhat different. There were some similarities, but many differences. But they had the same results. Follow along in your Bible with me. Verse 20. Thus shall he do with the bull, that is the priest shall do with the bull, as he did with the bull of the sin offering, so that he, so shall he do with his. And the priest shall make atonement for them, and they shall be forgiven. And he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it up as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. Verse 26. And all its fat he shall burn on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. So the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin and he shall be forgiven. Verse 31. And all its fat he shall remove and the fat is, and the fat is removed from the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be forgiven. I'm not done yet. 35. And all his fat he shall remove as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on top of the Lord's food offerings. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed. And he shall be what? Forgiven. Forgiven. The sin offering resulted in atonement and the forgiveness of sins, which required purification by blood for unintentional sins. The altar was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of God's grace and mercy to cleanse and forgive the sinner. It was a place to find fellowship and reconciliation with God. However, since these sacrifices are only shadows of the reality to come, and the sacrifices were offered daily. The blood of bulls and goats never took away sin altogether, nor did they forever clean the conscience of man. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, I'm like, I, should, I could probably get away with just reading the letter to the Hebrews <laughs> for a sermon. But I'm not sure, quite sure you'd appreciate that. I don't know. You may, you may not. But truly, the, the author of Hebrews exposits all this for us. Beginning at verse 1 of chapter 10, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, 
It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away, to remove sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, now here's what we read earlier from Psalm 40, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. Only the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world takes away sin completely, altogether. Therefore, there is no need for sacrifice, no more need for sin offering, because the fulfillment of the sin offering is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Listen to what Romans says. Romans chapter 8 verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Write that verse down. Romans 8 3. The body of bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin altogether because they do not share a like nature as ours. They only foreshadowed the shedding of blood in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sin could not be condemned in the flesh of the animals because they don't have a human nature. Rather, they pointed to the Son who assumed our very nature so that He became sin for us. He is our substitute. Our sins have been taken away in His sacrifice, permanently removed. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No more condemnation, now I dread, says the hymn writer. Because only Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Man, that mediator and redeemer, the one that we have been talking about from Lord's Day 6, who foreshadows the ceremonial and sacrificial laws, can bear the judgment and wrath of Almighty God so that we are atoned for, that we are covered from God's wrath. Jesus Christ was the suffering servant the Lamb of God who died outside the gate. 
died outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. Write that down. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 to 12. He died outside the camp, giving his life, his entire life. Think of the imagery in Leviticus 4, being burned, sin being destroyed outside the camp. Jesus, his very life destroyed outside the camp. But he was raised from the dead, indestructible. No longer, no death again. Immortal. I can give you a lot of references from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5, 6, 7, 9, 10. Another observation in closing here about the fulfillment of the sin offering in Christ, but we also see in Leviticus 4, and that is when the people came to a knowledge of their sin and realized their guilt, what did they do? You see, when we recognize our sin and misery. And how do we know our sin and misery? Through the law of God. Through God's word and his will. And when we come to know our sin and misery, when we come to know our guilt, we run not to perform sacrifices, but we run, run to Jesus. We run to the one sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice, Trusting in his once for all sacrifice. Yes, we believe that Jesus purchased and secured an eternal redemption and salvation for his people, his sheep, his elect. He chose us, we didn't choose him. But there's a human responsibility. And when the Spirit of God moves in the heart of his people, his people respond in repentance and faith. And that's why there is the gospel call to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved from your sin. Look to the sin offerer, the sin bearer, the one who offered his own body as our great high priest, not for any sins that he committed because he knew no sin, but he willingly offered his body as a high priest forever in order to save and purify his people from sin and misery and to turn us himself and to God. Do you know this sin bearer? How well do you know this sin bearer? The one who knew no sin yet became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the fulfillment of of Leviticus 4. He is the fulfillment of all the ceremonial and sacrificial laws. He is the once for all sacrifice. And in Him, and in Him alone, and faith in His name, we have life. We have had our sins atoned for, and we are forever forgiven.
and just to piggyback off this morning in doubt, to doubt that you are forgiven in Christ is to disbelieve the work of Jesus Christ for you, Christian. Yeah. Do not doubt what Christ has accomplished once for all for you, Christian. Cling to Him in faith. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the sin bearer, the sin offering in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We thank you, O oh Lord, that all of our sins, those hidden faults, those hidden sins that we are not even aware of, perhaps are sins that we've committed against our neighbor, that we are unaware of. Perhaps there are sins that we have committed against our spouse, sins committed against each other as the family of God. Oh, Father, we pray that we look to Jesus alone for the cleansing and purification of our souls, for He alone cleanses the heart. He purifies the heart. He makes us white as snow. He removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And we have a hope that is eternal, for our crucified Lord is also the risen Lord. And though He was crucified in weakness, He is raised in glory. And we do not have a high priest who is not able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but in fact we do have a high priest who sympathizes with us and who sits at your right hand. And because of Him, we can approach the throne of grace the throne of mercy, boldly, confidently, we enter the most holy place, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but we come in faith, faith in the one who shed his blood, and you were pleased, O oh Father, to receive his sacrifice for us. O oh Lord God, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the hope that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.